Welcome to the Anonymous Andrew Podcast. Life and the choices we make. The choices other people make. This is a podcast that explores all things as they relate to dating, romance, and relationships. Why we sometimes ignore or miss the red flags. Red flags like gaslighting, cheating, lying, psychological manipulation, mental illness, addiction, and so much more. Join me each week as we continue my journey into the modern dating world with my weekend rants, anonymous guest dating stories, and experts who share their wisdom so I can help you navigate the dating terrain. If you are new to the show or have been following me from the beginning, hold on tight for the anonymous Andrew experience. Now on to the show. Welcome to another episode of Anonymous Andrew Podcast. And today we have Mariah Greystone. And Mariah Greystone is a love coach, specifically helps women. And she has a program called Healing Into Boundaries. And she talks a little bit about that. She also shares her story, which was quite a story very much in line with mine, which is kind of why I invited her on. And then we get into the topic, my favorite topic, of dating in today's world. So on to the show. Enjoy, and we'll talk to you on the other side. Anonymous Andrew. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to season two. And I have another special episode for you. Today, I have with joining me with with me, (laughs) Mariah Greystone. Good afternoon, Mariah. Good afternoon, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, Mariah is a love coach, and I'm going to let Mariah describe or tell us about why she's here and and she's got a little story to tell us Hmm. yeah i i saw your story and uh thought i would reach out and share my sort of similar journey um i had a (laughs) it was a slow dissolution of about a year or so so it's hard to say how long the relationship was so it was like seven to eight years um and it was also slow to start um and it started out um, I'm, I'm going to breeze through it. So there'll be some oversimplifications, of course, but you know, it started out with him being a little bit more avoidant and me chasing. Um, and I was a few years of that. There was also a whole other side story about a exploration and poly for a moment. Um, and, uh, it was a little bit of a, un, unplanned non-monogamy, but I, I decided to, uh, opt in for it in any case. And that was a whole other journey, but eventually, um, like four years into it, we moved in together. Um, and, uh, the plan was not really to live together. The plan was for him to be gone. Most of the time he likes to be in the wilderness and we were going to kind of co-run a couple of businesses. One of them was going to be like an Airbnb at his house. So I wanted to move in to help with the, uh, renovations. And then the world ended, also known as the pandemic. 
And uh, we were around each other a whole lot more than either of us intended. And um, there were just so many layers of complications. Uh, part of the reason he never wanted to live with anyone is because he knew that he didn't do well, like mentally, emotionally in that much, um, that closeness of space. Um, he has a very trauma, traumatic background. I mean, I know lots of us were all kind of learning to normalize trauma. Like we all have it. It's not do you, it's how much and what kind. Um, and I will say that um, his is exceptional. Um, and I thought that I could, you know, love him enough <laughs> to uh, to soften him. And to some extent I did. Um, and that's why because of his softening and also because of the personal growth that I was experiencing, not necessarily from him directly, but I'm kind of a growth geek masochist a little bit. Like, I mean, I'd, I'd go into challenging situations to grow from them. And a lot of my friends didn't really understand, but I was like, yes, this isn't perfect. And maybe it's not forever, but it's... Um, it's good for me. And I very early on started recognizing opportunities for me to improve my own self-love and how to self-validate. And I started identifying my attachment wounds and my attachment style. And um, it just, the whole thing, I, I kind of call it like my crucible. But in any case, uh, the last couple of years when we were living together is when it kind of started turning a little bit more abusive. And it was such a like 180, like I, I was chasing him and then we moved in together and I felt settled. And then he was like chasing me around the house. I mean, not quite literally, but I almost couldn't get any alone time. I'm like, back up, dude. And it was just, it was so weird. And then he was just, I think it was just so much more intense for him. And there were so many more triggers of his wounds that his really poor coping mechanisms were coming out and a lot of contempt and I used to call them poo flinging you know if you've ever had like a fight where you're just like you're a piece of shit no I'm not you are and I don't know like just the, the ego battles and yeah. um, I was not super proud of the way that I handled myself and I did my best to like show up um as I could and I just I had to turn every single leaf over every stone over I had to try everything I could to to know that I did my best to show up as best as I could before I could kind of like throw in the towel and be like this is not working and eventually it, it did get to that point where um I realized that he had plateaued in his growth and I had to come to terms with the realization that not all wounds can be healed in one lifetime. And as a personal growth geek and being very growth mindset and like everyone can heal, you just have to want to. And it's like, no, I think maybe his are too deep. He's done a lot of healing and that was encouraging to me. But when I realized that he was kind of tapped out of his capacity and then I started seeing that it was going to hold me back on my personal growth. And I it was so hard because he deserves love like everybody. And you know, if not me, who, if not now, when, but eventually I realized that, um, I wasn't strong enough. If that, I mean, that's kind of the, the stepping stone thought process I had to, um, and it was hard. It, it was difficult for me to like accept that I wasn't like strong enough to save him. And I realized that he was just a sinking ship that I could only go down with. And I didn't want to do that. Um, at some point in the relationship, actually within, a few months, I think, of moving in, I had my first brush 
with not even a full-blown suicidal thought, but like, like it touched, it touched a suicidal thought for like a moment and it like jarred me. And it was like my, I don't have children, but like my inner mama bear instinct, like kicked into gear. I went and packed up a bag. I booked a hotel on my phone and I didn't say anything to him. And I just like made my way to the door and he was like, where are you going? I was like, oh, I'm going to go stay in a hotel. Cause I just had my first brush with suicidal thoughts. And he laughed at me and I was like, yep. And I left. <laughs> and that wasn't the end of the relationship either. That was just, I needed to get some space. Um, it went on for a couple more years. And every time I tried to leave, he said, no, don't. I was like, we were better when we, when I wasn't living here, why don't we just go back to that? He's like, well, you can't go backwards. <laughs> it was just triggering his abandonment wounds and Part of the thing that one of the differences between you and other, I don't like throwing around labels like narcissist and toxic and things like that. He's just a broken human and hurt people hurt people. And um, I, but at the same time, it was challenging because I knew that all of the horrible things he said about me weren't true and weren't personal and weren't really how he was feeling. And I thought I could be like, I don't know, Zen enough to withstand it, but I'm just a mere human and you can't be close to someone and receive those words and that energy for an extended period of time without it like breaking you down a little bit so um we have a lot of other things like I I co-own his house I, I paid off the mortgage um we got some chickens together I still get eggs we actually have a small business and a nonprofit together and some mutual friends and I didn't want to let his explosive tendencies blow up everything so I very like strategically slowly surgically removed like the romance from our relationship and so now we are friends <laughs> wow it's very challenging but that's, that's my recap up to where I think you and I both are now I the, the final um like my decision that it was done had to be done was around March or April of 2021. And then I started putting steps in place. I really didn't want for myself. I didn't want to leave reactively. I didn't want to, I didn't want to blow things up either. Uh, things were not good, but they weren't so bad. Fortunately, I wasn't like in physical harm. Um, that I, you know, I, I didn't have to like bolt and I didn't really have anything in terms of a foundation. So I needed to like get a job again, um, and find my own place. I didn't want to have to, I was a couple times I was tempted to go like couch surf with a friend, you know, I was like, I don't mm -hmm. want to do that. I want to build a solid foundation to step out onto. And so that I can really have like a, a good place to, to heal from this. And so I was able to do that. And then by, and so the first I moved out and then things were still, and I was hoping things might improve, but they didn't. And so then I was like, how do I break up with him? without? <laughs> dissolving everything. And I was like, well, I guess like sex is kind of the big differentiator. So I was like, um, I need to be celibate for a while. And when I came up with that as an excuse, I actually realized it was true for me too, that I did want to take a break from that. I was like, I don't know how to be sexually involved with somebody and not like in the, in the act per se, but like in a relationship that is a sexual dynamic without abandoning myself. And until I can fix that, I actually, I don't, I don't want to do that. So, um, so I told him I was going to go and sell a bit, but that he could do whatever he needed to do. <laughs> and he fought a little, but was, you know, understanding and accepted it. And then uh, not really fought a little but you know, tried to find a way around it. But, and then as time went on, uh, he just kept kind of picking fights with me. 
And I was like, it's still that it's the fact that we still have a romantic dynamic that's triggering for him. And so I finally told him a, a rough, almost like full year, give or take from my decision in March or April of 2021, it was March or April of 2022, that I was like, we can't have a romantic angle and keep everything else we have. And so I kind of ended that, but then he had some misunderstanding around the end of last year that I then had to clarify. Um, and yeah, so it's, yeah, that was kind of the, the breakout process, but I started kind of dipping my toes back in the dating pool, I'm trying to remember, I was looking back through my calendar, um, about a year ago. I don't know. It was only a couple months after I think, uh, yeah, I think it was maybe like June of last year and it was just, and then I met somebody that was like very anxiously attached. And I was like, whoa, yeah. oh. was like, what, can we be like best friends then? And I was like, mm, nope, mm, I nope. can't be friends with you. And then so I got back off the dating app for a while. I was like, that's too much. But every once in a while, like I'll, I'll dip in for a little bit and uh, like have a couple not great experiences. And then I'm out of it again for a little while. And how's it been for you? That's exactly. So, <laughs> uh, oh gosh, there's a, few things I want to address as to what you talked about, but um, I, I really don't want to rehash my relationship because the audience knows it. But when, when you said labels like narcissism, what, what, when I started this podcast, I really didn't have any clue as to what just happened. Yeah. I, 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 I walked away, of course, if you ask her, she'll say she walked away, but we sure. basically walked away from each other. But I was standing there one day, I woke up and and I and the woman, by the way, we were engaged and, and, and I had given her a ring, but I happened to have had the ring. It's a whole side story. And I, I just, I threw my hands up and I said, what the, excuse me, what the <laughs> fuck just happened? And so starting this podcast and having people come on and we did like an autopsy on the relationship. And mm. as I told the story to other guests and coaches and authors and therapists mm. and my therapists, and we dissected it and there were 10, there were like, so I, I, I never labeled her as a narcissist, but she had mm. narcissistic tendencies. I sure. never labeled her, uh, I, she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, which in yeah. itself is another whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know that there's a label gaslighter, but she was a, a professional gaslighter. She really knew how to manipulate uh, and make you think that I, I was the crazy, all this stuff. So yeah. anyway, bring that to the current time. So as you were talking about the dating apps, my problem was that I was a serial dater or relationship because as soon as one relationship ended, I'm sober eight years now. And in the, in the, in the eight years I have been in three relationships. And as soon as one ended within two months, I was back into another one. And it was a pattern that I was repeating. Even when I was drinking, I was doing that and I needed to stop that pattern. But sure enough, right after this relationship dissolved, I started this podcast, but I had that itch of loneliness and, and wanting a, a companion. So I did go on the dating apps, but like you, you said, dipped your toe in the water. It, it was horrible. It was either very cold or very hot. <laughs> it wasn't, mm -hmm. wasn't a pleasant 
So on and off, on and off. And, and even when I went on a couple of dates, the women could read me. They, they just knew I wasn't ready yet. Mm. So I, I just, through the help of this podcast and again, other people just said, let's pause that for a while. And, and I need to heal and I need to continue this journey of not jumping into another relationship right after another one, because obviously this, this, I can blame all these women or say narcissism, gaslighting, uh, infidelity. The common denominator is me, right? It's, I'm the one that's jumping from relationship to relationship. So I had to find out what was broken in me. All right. It is now going to be, by the time this episode airs, it'll be just shy of one full year. And I am taking this podcast in the direction of dating because it's time, I feel that it's time to date, not get into a relationship. Mm. So um, my experience with the dating apps, and I've been on the top five, well, I might as well say them, eHarmony, Match, Bumble, Hinge, Our Time, and I may be missing one. Um, might have been six or seven, actually. Not no, not all at once over the mm -hmm. course of three to six months. Uh, so nothing worthwhile talking about, although the, some of them I, I, I got scammed. I, I had a couple of uh, bad experiences. Um, one woman became a stalker. Uh, so uh, maybe it's maybe it's just the universe's way of telling me it's just not time yet. But for 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 the podcast concept or, or it, I, um, um, so tell us your experience on uh, or let me ask you this because you are a love coach. Stay off the dating apps and and work. I guess let's say that I I don't trust anybody uh, mm -hmm. because I was lied to for three years. So anything that comes out of a, excuse me, of a woman's mouth that I'm talking to, I'm not going to believe, especially mm -hmm. if the trauma comes up, like, because in the beginning, it was a lot of trauma bonding. Mm -hmm. uh, I was told how horrible her childhood was. She was raped. She was kidnapped. She came from another country, a mm -hmm. third world country. So I naturally believed all that. And now I doubt a lot of that was true. Um, so anyway, so the, the truth for me is, uh, is I don't know. And also the self-confidence. I have low self-confidence. Mm -hmm. And just before we recorded, I told you about an incident in the supermarket. And my audience knows the story. Every weekend I go food shopping and every weekend... In literally in the produce section is you find all of these women and uh, some of them are beautiful and some I'm finding it difficult. And I don't know if it's because it's post COVID or if it's my, my lack of self-confidence or it's just the modern dating world that there used to be a day where you could approach a woman organically just out of nowhere. And she wouldn't be, you know, taken back. Um, like, oh, get away from me, you know, and that's kind of my experience is if you approach a woman in the supermarket, she kind of looks at you a little like, 
Leave me alone. <laughs> um, any thoughts on? Yeah, lots of thoughts. Um, in fact, I'm actually gonna open a little notepad. Um, I do want to circle back brief briefly again to the my point about the labels. Um, and it's and I'll I'll tie it into how I think it relates to the healing journey and, and I don't know. Um, I was going to say like making peace with dating, but like having dating be a more fulfilling exercise, you know? Um, uh, organic. Okay. Um, I think that what psychology provides in terms of diagnoses and, um, you know, labels for, for people and for behavior can be really, really helpful when you're lost in the woods and you're like, what just happened? And then to have somebody normalize it, not really normalize it like statistically, but like validate it, you know, with like, this is a thing we're aware of it. You're not like crazy, like, you know, can be really, really helpful. Um, you know, when I read the book attached and learned about attachment, um, styles and, uh, you know, concepts about sociopathy and, um, uh, narcissism and, um, um, borderline, borderline, yes. And gaslighting, all of those things, um, have, have been, you know, crossing my path for years and it's been helpful to be able to identify those things. Um, just because awareness is really powerful. Um, however, the, I think that they're a really helpful stepping stone. And I think also that a lot of people get sucked into them as like a trap of like judgment as a capital J as like an operating system in our minds and the problem. So my big thing is empowered compassion, because a lot of people that have what I call flimsy fence boundaries, they get this message out there that you need to like toughen up and build some walls and like have have better stronger boundaries and like empower yourself and blah 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 and then people just end up swinging the pendulum from flimsy fences to spiked walls instead of like hanging out in the middle where we have selective gates and so it's not that you need to like sacrifice your compassion in order to become empowered what you need to do is empower your compassion so that it's big enough for you as well as others and so that's why i try and like look at labels like that as like a stepping stone because when we go around and turn people's behavior into the whole of who they are we then we kind of start to demonize them and we um it's very dehumanizing and in the same breath that we dehumanize someone else we dehumanize our own shadow like a piece of ourselves and it's a like it feeds into the self-abandonment that gets us into those kind of relationships in the first place. So for me to see my ex-partners, narcissistic behavior, gaslighting, borderline um, expressions, for me to see that those are all trauma responses, to understand that like, he's not consciously manipulating me he's not drawing up a plan and being like okay if I, I'm going to do this and then that and then that's going to make her do this he's just doing it because it's how he survived he's going into like I also used to be a dog trainer and like 
when you're trying to work with, especially reactive dogs that like flip out and get really angry if they see another dog on a leash or something, you have to figure out where their bubble is. <laughs> like, do they get triggered at like 50 feet or like 10 feet? But it like, ideally you want to get like right on the edge where like they're alert and they see the thing that angers them, but they are not foaming at the mouth yet. And like, because if they don't see it yet and you try and like work with them around it, it's, you, they're not even in the zone, but if they're lost, if they're gone, if they're flailing around, like you can't get to them, you can't communicate with them. Like they're totally in their like fight or flight response. Right. And same with humans when we're triggered and we're in a response, like we're not thinking cautious, uh, consciously, rationally, we're not like plotting to destroy the other person. It's just a survival mechanism that's right. kicking in. And so for me to like, to, I think a lot of times it comes off like I'm an abuser, apologizer or something. And it's, it's not that it's that if we don't start humanizing other people and stop dehumanizing them, we're going to continue dehumanizing ourselves and shaming ourselves and feeling low confidence and low self-esteem and and the it, it feeds this victim mentality too like oh mm -hmm. they were this horrible demon that came and like used me and it's like yeah and he stuck around for how many years for it and I'm not just blaming you calling yeah. myself out everyone like you can't like anyone can be abused but no one can be in an abusive relationship without being a complicit participant oh absolutely yeah you I know? agree so yeah. it's just finding that middle way for me has been really important for my healing journey very early on with that relationship when I first wanted to walk away because he wasn't meeting my needs I was like how many times have I been right here this is beginning to be a pattern interesting mm -hmm. what am I doing and I realized that I was relying on men my partners to validate me in ways that I needed to be validating myself and I was disappointed in them if they weren't offering the kind of reassurance that I wanted that I was secure because I didn't have the security within myself. And when I, I was like, can we self-validate Google? Well, yes, we can. Well, fancy that. I would way rather self-validate than be reliant on other people for that. And then further down, you know, the... Um, what does Alice in Wonderland go down? The rabbit hole. The rabbit hole. <laughs> yes. Further down the rabbit hole, I find, you know, that I have a pattern from my formative years of equating love with the process of trying to earn it, but not the experience of having it. And so I kept being attracted to guys that I kind of had to chase a little that would give me a little sense of that familiarity that like, oh, I'm trying to like earn this love. And, and then there's this whole familiarity of like, why can't I just have it? Why won't you just give it to me? But meanwhile, all of the other men who just want to give it to me, no, no, no. Mm -mm. I don't, sorry, I'm not attracted to that. <laughs> right? I, yeah. <laughs> and that's where, wow. That's such, uh, oh, God, you're bringing up so many good topics. Um, oh, uh, my head, my head is jumbled with questions or or, or retorts or, or, or feedback. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh God. Um, yeah. Well, 
you had mentioned there was a point in your relationship where you were trying to fix him and and then you realized it's just who he is and he's reached his plateau and I did the same thing. There was, I, I actually took her to a therapist and that's when she was diagnosed with borderline, took her to my therapist who recommended another trauma specialist, blah, blah, blah. And she was diagnosed. And of course, in that point that I said, oh, now I, uh, I paid for the therapy sessions. I set them up for her. I drove them there, whatever. And, and it was my way of trying to fix her mm -hmm. so I could, try to keep this relationship together that was dismantling and like you there were there there was a cycle of where i would chase her she would chase mm -hmm. me i would chase her she would chase me uh, and then there was also multiple breakups where yeah. she would be say i'm done i can't take it anymore and we would take a month off and then get back together again wait quick question sure. when she came back was it like nothing ever happened did she like not even address it and just try to like pick up like without missing a beat? Because that's what my ex would do. He would just be like, "Hey, how's it going?" I'm like, "Are you kidding? What?" Um, she, I, uh, I'm almost <laughs> embarrassed to say this. We took this thirty day break, and at the end of thirty days, she said to me, "I don't want to continue. I think I I like being alone." And in my charming way, I talked her back into it. So, uh, this and and before you had mentioned something about accountability, I I take full accountability of what happened. That I yeah. did stay, yeah. and I I knew eighteen months in, I found evidence that she was a stripper and a and an escort, and 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 I saw physical evidence that she was having sex with other men. And yet I stayed and I said, this is all because of the trauma and her husband had cheated on her, her ex-husband. So, I, you know, a lot of what you had mentioned, there was this Superman syndrome I had that I wanted to try to fix this for her because she truly loves me and I love her and I know this can be worked out. You know, I think, I think the same thing that happened to your ex was that she had reached a plateau or she just wasn't willing to do the work. Listen, when you when you come over here on a weekend and it's our, our weekend together and sex is involved, but she comes over and says, we cannot have sex this weekend. And, and I ask her why, and she gaslights me with some BS story. And then the, the audience knows this, but I saw the bruises on her private parts and mm. uh you know so obviously she had been having sex with men the prior three or four days mm. that's why she didn't want to have sex so that's that's what ultimately when i walked away when i because it just kept she kept lying to me and lying to me and lying to me but um anyway we're getting off the track <laughs> so back to dating um well and i want to throw in also that the the counterbalance too with that accountability ties back into this whole empowered compassion thing because what happens if you're not careful and if you're too like unconsciously into the judgment operating system is that we're judging them for lying and gaslighting 
and, you know, being evasive or aggressive or all of these things that are really just the same thing as like a dog barking at the end of the leash or cowering or having its tail between its legs. Like, um, and then, so we take accountability for our part in it. And then at some point, because this is what the judgment operating system does is it lands us in a puddle of shame because then we're like, oh my God, I can't believe I put myself through all that. And the thing is like, we're human too. We're responding to our own wounds. We right. go back into the fray because it's what's familiar. Yep. And it takes years, if not decades of like practice and work to build up a level of awareness and self-compassion to move beyond these things. And I have a friend who I think has, you know, fairly severe history of like dysfunctional relationships and so many times like she'll just be in in the throes of misery about it and like she'll go back and forth and like crying to me about this, this horrible guy and these horrible things that he's doing and why is he using me and I'm like well he's actually shown you very clearly and even said who he is and what he's capable of the whole time so, you know, to have a little bit of accountability for your role in it. And she's like, you're right. And then like, not instantly, but eventually shortly after that, then she's like, well, what's wrong with me? Why am I such a broken, horrible person? And it's mm -hmm. like, you guys are both beautiful, damaged, perfectly imperfect humans who do care about each other and are not aligned. You don't have to feed the ego story that there's some big bad wolf or you're some big bad wolf. Like you're just not aligned. You can't be together and it doesn't have to be right. some fairy tale version of why he doesn't have to be a dragon. You don't have to be right. a princess, vice versa. Like you're just not aligned. Just move on, just move away, move on a step find your path of alignment and stick to it. That's it. That's all we have to do. <laughs> and, and that's what I did. I yeah. did walk away, took accountability, although yeah. I needed to understand what had happened because I didn't want to repeat the same mistakes, right? The same mistakes of getting right back into a relationship, choosing a woman who was uh, broken mm -hmm. uh, and, and to no fault of her own, but trauma from childhood, trauma from past relationships or, or just trauma. Horrible. Well, the question is what about the way that she showed up in relationship with you felt familiar to your formative story where your little growing brain decided what love looks like. My, my gut, it, my first re instinctive answer to that was when she sat on my couch for three months and cried about her childhood, about how, how her mother abandoned her, how her ex-husband cheated on her. Apparently they had a perfect marriage for 20 years. And then all of a sudden one day he went on and cheated on her. Uh, so this was a beautiful woman sitting on my couch crying about that she's been abused, not physically, but rejected by people all her life. But I'm so beautiful. Why don't people love me? And and so I step in and put that Superman cape on and go, I'm going to fix you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to take care of you. And that's my pattern uh, that's but it doesn't work and it's that's something that i need to change and that's what i'm afraid of going forward now now it's time to go back out into the dating world i i want to know that i'm going to break that pattern uh, of, of 
yeah, I was terrified. I was like, dude, ha, like I got out of that, but now I'm scared. I feel like I don't trust myself. I feel like I don't trust my attraction. I don't trust who I'm attracted to. I see the type of people I want to be attracted to and I'm not attracted to them. What do I do? So I set myself up on, with like a little plan. I was like, I need to do some inner work. And mainly what it involves is, I mean, in general, I, I've, I've, I call what I do my peaceful power practice and it has five components. It's like um, study, self-reflection, um, interactions, embodiment, and um, support. And so like the study is, you know, like reading up on things, listening to podcasts, you know, um, and then the self-reflection is kind of taking some time to process like what comes up for you with that um, information. And, um, and then the interaction component also is like, you know, getting out in the real world and like paying attention to what comes up for you when you interact with people, like notice this and that, what happens when this happens? How do I respond with that? The embodiment has been a really, really big component for me and my just general personal growth journey. Like it was all very, very mental and cerebral. And I had heard about this concept of embodiment and like getting in your body and stuff like that and being in touch with your body. And I like kind of knew what it meant, but I hadn't really unlocked it until um, just a series of things. I finally, I think maybe just on, I finally was ready for it, you know, on my journey. And I finally started figuring out how to get more in touch with my body. And that was huge for building up self-trust because once I could access the knowledge of like the, the wisdom of my body. And I'm not just talking about like, you know, health and fitness or anything, but there's, there's an energy that vibrates, right? When people talk about vibes and frequencies and stuff, and that's not something that you think that's not something that your mind processes. It's something your body feels. And so like when you can feel the, the energetic frequency of your truth versus like, like what you're total yes to and what you're a total no to there's very different experiences in your body like you close up kind of yeah. to a no, and a yes is very like relaxing and like it has a, a resonance to it that's like a big bell it's just like dung I don't know it's just like you you can feel what's true for you and like I start to pay a little bit more attention to like my patterns and like when I'm around this person like how many times do I focus on, do they like me? And every time I catch myself doing that, can I bring myself back to asking, how do I feel around this person? Right. Do I feel safe. Um, and then like, I just started unpacking things like that. And it's just like, um, I started noticing how much, um, when I'm attracted to somebody, I have to, it's like, there's no sexual chemistry for me if there's not a little bit of a dance and it's not conscious at all. This is all Wait stuff you. that I've been discovering is in my subconscious. And I always have to clarify that because when I talk about it, people are like, why are you choosing to do that? I'm like, I'm not choosing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I've been noticing, what happens is like, there has to be a little bit of a, like, you know, it's subtle. It's not big, but like, I'm, I play a little bit. I have to play a little bit of coy. I have to like, 
be impressive and like, oh, do you like that? You know, am I clever enough, you know, to, to win your attention? Oh, that's fun. You know, there has to be a little bit of a play or like, I can't be attracted when I am totally emotionally safe. And when I feel safe enough to completely be authentic around someone, I'm not attracted to them. Like I can't, wow. I can't, like I, I, there's like this wall in, in my psyche and like in my associations between like sexual intimacy and emotional vulnerability. And, um, so discovering that has, you know, kind of furthered my lack of trust for what I'm attracted to. And I'm finally seeing through it. And like, you know, when I am swiping on an app or something, it's like, Oh man, I remember when that dark and mysterious look was really alluring to me. Now it's just a giant neon sign of like self-loathing and despair. I don't want nothing to do with that. Like, it's not even a conscious, like, oh, he's really hot, but I shouldn't. It's like, nope, mm -mm, not even attracted to that anymore. So now I'm in this like empty zone of like, I'm not attracted to anybody right now, but it's a stepping stone. And eventually I think I hopefully can. Okay. Uh, This is a good place to segue into I guess a topic as let's go back to the swiping. So we all have a type of the opposite in our case, heterosexual opposite sex attraction. So a type of person that you're attracted to, like you said, there was a dark cancer, whatever it was yours. Now it's not anymore. I had, I have, and had my type of woman. And so if I don't see them, I I just swipe left, swipe left, swipe left. Then I realized I could be swiping away my next forever person, right? Right. Because she doesn't have the certain color hair that I like or Mm. the certain type of physique that I like or the height or the uh, uh, ethnicity, let's just say. Um, Mm -hmm. um, And and then one day, this was recent, about two months ago, I was brushing my teeth getting ready for work or doing something going whatever and looking in the mirror and i i i started getting very judgmental against at at me Mm. now i I don't know how old you are and but to to anybody listening when you're in your 30s 40s and even young 50s you still think that you are you're full of vitality and you that you're handsome or pretty but when you hit 60 and start i I just hate to sound like i'm from aarp or something but when you wake up in the morning and the knees crack Mm -hmm. or or you know you're at the end of the day it's it's part of life your physique starts to slowly break down and i looked at myself and i said if i want to find a woman of my liking and who takes First of all, they need to. I've become very healthy, mm. and I, I used to be overweight. I was a drinker. I was not eating healthy. I have reversed all that. I'm doing all the good things, except for one thing. I wasn't doing healthy, exercising. Mm. So two months ago, I started taking up. Um, I, I didn't join a gym, but I I have a trainer, and we're doing hardcore upper body resistant training, and because I noticed that my posture. And even though I'm only 165 pounds with my shirt off, I have that, I don't want to 
insult anybody. I have that old man, you Sag. know. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and it was unacceptable to me. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is, and I play tennis and I ride a bike and, and I, I dabble in yoga, but none of that is going to build up your upper body. So I, the point is, I, I want, and it's also going to help with my self-confidence. So if, if I'm, my posture is up and my upper body is in shape, so when I take my shirt off, my my man cups aren't going <laughs> to drop, drop down <laughs> and my belly, you know, I, I have a little belly. I don't drink beer, but I'm, I'm sober, but it's there. So anyway, the point is I'm starting to exercise. Um, is that a priority for you now on the dating apps that they exercise as well? I don't want to sound like a snob. You can have whatever preferences you want. But if I put in the effort, I think my mate should put in the effort. And, and so I'll get a like by somebody. I, I, I get them often enough that a couple times a week, I'll get a woman that likes me. And... Uh, it's hard to talk about this because I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm I'm being snobby or that I'm better than them. But I look at them and I say, really? Did you, did you look at this picture before you posted? It? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's relatable. Okay. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, it's so something that has been evolving for me on my dating app journey i think i started with okcupid back in like 2007 i've been on and off dating apps for a long time i have very mixed feelings about them love, very love-hate relationship with them um right now i'm off of them Re recently i've gotten back off of them um i will say that i find it really frustrating even just dating in general but especially like the apps just amplify it I find that dating is so contrived versus an organic meet cute you know but like if you you know meet somebody at like a friend's dinner party who has those anyway like you know or you bump into somebody at the grocery store or something you know like or even better yet like they're just there's someone in a circle like someone that you get to see periodically without any expectations yeah and dating is just it's so contrived it's like an interview process you know and it's just it I really believe that the best relationships are the kind that are the outcome of two people interacting instead of the goal like I we're going to interact because we're going to create a relationship instead of hey we've been interacting for a while and look we've created a relationship and I think so many of the things that we do in the realm of romance and dating and stuff is um it's like we're trying to reverse engineer shit it's like yeah. oh look that person has something really great some cool relationship that seems awesome i want that like i'm gonna go try and make that and it's just you we end up treating each other as a means to an end and i think it can be really counterproductive that I'm being all... said <laughs> well, go ahead well I i'm old-fashioned and uh... In in the in the romance world, because my dad brought me up that way, you court a woman, you be a gentleman. Uh, you, you, I could go through a list of things, but I I like the courtship. Yes, and it's. I think it's a dying practice. Yes, agreed, 
Agreed. And maybe that's part of why I'm a little bit more jaded about dating because we've lost the courtship. It's just, it's like, there's, I think in my mind, I'm kind of a little bit extremist. I suppose that I only see like the total organic version or like the total like in restyle dating. But I will say though, in terms of dating, because that's kind of where we're at and what we're dealing with, my approach to online dating has evolved as I've worked to develop an internally rooted security and build slowly brick by brick self-trust and self-acceptance, self-approval, even self-appreciation, like it has kind of shown in like the evolution of my dating profiles. I've become more and more authentic in them. And consequently, I get less and less matches, like fewer and fewer matches. And that's fine. Like, it's good, like that I'm weeding out the people who are not a good fit for me. And, you know, one of the things I used to do, almost like the opposite of what you were saying before about not, like not really wanting to offend anybody, but like, I would think to myself that, gosh, like, of course, I want to be with somebody who's really into the outdoors. I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I am in the sense that like, I love to take my, I love to be outside. I love to take my dog on hikes and whatnot, but like, I'm not active. I'm not like a super active person. And that's just one example, but there's lots of things where it's like, I have this like ideal version of me that just isn't me. And it, it's that this mask that we all wear when yeah. we date and we think we, that we need to show up in this certain way. And then we end up attracting people who aren't really attracted to who we really are. And then it just perpetuates this idea that we're not lovable, you know? And so when I can embrace the fact that like, I'm like, I'm overcoming this almost like shame of that. Like when people ask, what do you like to do for fun? Or what's your hobby? Like my favorite thing to do is talk with people, mm. literally. Like yeah. I just love conversing with people I, and I'm a big geek on personal growth and that's it. I don't rock climb. I don't ride my bicycle hundreds of miles over the weekend, you know, like, I don't yeah, crochet. That, that <laughs> seems to be one of the, uh, I, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Trends today is you see pi pictures of people zip zip lining or people mountain climbing or like you just all this adrenaline stuff, <laughs> yeah. and jumping out of airplanes, and it's <laughs> like, <laughs> and. I don't know about you, but I think gravity was designed on purpose for us to stand <laughs> on the ground. I, why jump out of a perfectly good airplane is beyond me. Yeah, I, but I get it. It's adrenaline rush and you're 50,000 feet in the air and you come crashing down. Well, it's the hard just... thing for me is the the part, like there are things like that where I'm just like, well, I, I can't even relate to that at all. But there are so many things like activities and interests that do interest me. But like as kind of a recovering people pleaser, it's like tied yeah. into that. One of the things that I've had to do is really kind of play a little bit of triage with and just come to terms with like my limitations. Like I can't be involved in 20 million interests. Like I have to just accept the fact that like I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like there's things that people do and even causes that people support you know, activist things or activities that I'm just like, wow, I really like, I respect that. And I see the importance of those things, but like, can't do 20 of them. And I just have to really, like, 
I've had to hone down from like probably 20 to 30 things that I think I can do and be a part of and even pretend to be down to like, I'm not, I'm not joking, like three. Uh, like, that, that brings me to a question and a statement. When I first met this last girlfriend, she introduced me to an entire new world because her culture was Latina, Latin. And she and even though I've been to South America, uh, she brought into my life a culture that I was open to learning mm -hmm. the language, the cuisine, uh, the courtship rules, because mm -hmm. every kind, every nationality, you know, whether you're Italian or Spanish or French or Japanese, they all have their own courtship rules. Yeah. Um, I, and I, the audience knows that this woman taught me to read tarot cards, something I, that I would have. I'm a I'm a geek. I'm a I'm a computer guy, mm -hmm. and, and I, I I'm a science I, I I'm a science buff. I I I love the universe, and I. But this woman came in one day, my my ex, and bought a tarot deck, and and if you look behind me, I see <laughs> it's all it's all Zen now. It's all tarot world. So sometimes keeping your mind open to something. Yeah. But here's the question. How do you feel about deal breakers on apps? So you're looking at somebody's profile and there's a deal breaker. And the one that I see the most are the political ones. If you are mm -hmm. and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take sides here. I'm just sure. stating if you if you voted for Trump, swipe left or the opposite. Right. If you're not a Trumper, swipe I don't right. even contact me. Yeah. Um Thoughts on that. And it could be other deal breakers too. It's not political. I've seen deal breakers where they say, if you don't have a passport, don't contact me. I mean, what's up with that? So is the question, how do I feel about putting deep, uh, deal, deal breakers. breakers on your website or on your profile? Yeah. Um, I am opposed to it. I think that um, every anytime I see a profile that says like I'm actually it's kind of both sides like if you get really explicit with red flags or green flags for you it's kind of off-putting because if you throw red flags out there like I, I, I'm not looking for this 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 or that or like if you're this this or that right. you know go away kind of thing and to me like I will say one of the, th there's, a, there's a lot of wonderful things I learned from my ex. And one of them was how to read between the lines and um, how to not just read between the lines, but basically that's fine. When I see a bunch of deal breakers, I see a person who's rigid and mm -hmm. I see a person, I see exactly how you were hurt. I see you as not a healed person, you know, like I like that. That's a red flag for me. Um <laughs> And then when also, though, when people put green flags, like if you're super active or if you're into this, this or that, I'm like, you've just painted a fantasy and nobody's going to fit it. Right. Like you're you're also now. Now I don't feel like I'm good enough for you because I don't fit your perfect fantasy. Yeah. So that's it's off putting in that regard, too. For for me, what I like to see and do with dating profiles is like paint a picture. I also don't like it when people are explicit about like. Um, I'm smart and funny. I'm like, but you're not smart or funny in your profile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if you're like, what I love is when I see a profile that is smart and funny, and about, funny. Being yeah. about it. Right. 
like, oh, wow, look, I see like he, he said something really clever there. or That was a really smart thing. Or like, oh, how witty and hilarious. Or he made me laugh with the thing he said. Like, if you're smart and funny, be smart and funny. And like, I think it's really important to just like, just paint a picture of who you are in a way that communicates that and also will attract the people who resonate with it. Don't be afraid of turning off the people who won't be into you. And so like, I've stopped, you know, pretending to be into things I'm not into. And I have stopped like shrinking the things I am into and just being like, this is what I'm about. Thank you. (laughs) You Because my next question is, In all of my profiles, I am not a phony. And and one of my mantras is honesty. So I come right out and I tell them I'm sober. Um, I'm a podcaster. And, you know, I I give them some of the stuff right up front, uh, especially with the sobriety, because a lot of people have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't try to be too witty. I don't try to be too funny. But I but if if they could put it and i don't have any deal breakers on there mm-hmm. and, and by the way just as a little footnote to the deal breakers i think mm-hmm. we all can agree that if that smoking is is a bad thing today so you know if somebody says if you're a smoker it's wipe left that, that that i'm i'm okay with you know you don't want to date a smoker that's fine um i i had an appointment tomorrow with somebody that was going to sit down with me and take new pictures and go over my profile two two of them and help me rebuild the profile. And then I'm thinking, why? Because I built that profile. It's me. It's who I am. And it's who I'm expressing myself to be. And if you don't like it, then maybe we're not a match. So what are your thoughts on having somebody come in and help you build your profile? Because you're well, really... I'm probably, probably not the right person to ask about that, though, because, like, I love... I mean, I'm no fancy pro or anything, but, like, I love creating websites. I love writing my own bio, you know, little bio. That, well, that's my like point. That. Okay. I just really enjoy that kind of stuff. So I wouldn't slight somebody who felt like they needed some help with it, but personally, I, I just yeah. really enjoy well, it. Well, I... Yeah, I, I'm struggling with it because I like to be who I am. And yeah. I wonder if somebody comes along and says, well, this picture should go, that picture should go. But that's a picture of me playing tennis. And that's a picture of me riding my bike. I think two- that it doesn't hurt to get an outside person, okay. especially okay. on a dating profile, because we can have a hard time seeing ourselves clearly, yeah. you know what I mean? And someone else can offer at least like I wouldn't necessarily want someone to come in like as a consultant and kind of tell me what to do but I would love some outside feedback on it yeah especially a woman in my case like yeah yeah Yeah. okay I will also say that pretty much after after almost every date if not every two to three dates like people that I date go on a date or two with I tweak my profile yeah well, like, I, every time I'm like, oh, how did I attract that? What's what What can I tweak in my profile to like exclude those type of people and maybe uh, speak more to, to people in more the direction that I'm trying to. I, I had a friend of mine that is unfortunately no longer a friend, but um, he took a course. He joined some men's thing about how to put online dating profile together and they explain to them how the algorithm works mm. and if you don't 
shuffle your pictures or change them once in a while. So I like I'm getting to the point where you like you tweak your profile once in a while. That resets the algorithm because if oh. you don't touch your profile, it literally sinks to the bottom. Interesting. Every, yeah, every time you go in there and you make one or two changes, it kind of resets the algorithm and you go back up to the he he ex <laughs> explained it to me that way and and it made sense. Yeah. Um so and to anybody listening and like I like your idea. If you go on a date and and it didn't go well or didn't attract the person that you're looking for, go back and look at your profile and see why. Maybe there's something you need to change. So, yeah, Mariah, I I think we could go on for another hour and talk. I you are full <laughs> of information and full of interesting uh, stories and ideas. Um, I, I'm gonna have an open invitation for you, maybe to come back in a couple of months, maybe. Um, if you do find if you find yourself dating somebody, I would love to hear about it. Uh, we could continue this conversation, but I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, yeah, reach out tell, anytime. Tell tell the audience a little bit about what you do because that's primarily why you're here. Promote <laughs> your practice. Um, well, I'm mostly here because I I feel called to empower compassion in as many people as I can. Um, and as part of that mission, I serve as a love coach. Um, I do mainly work with women, um, and it's really about self-love, um, but also using the romantic relationship as, um, a dojo, you know, for, for really being able to dig in and find where we need some more self-love. Um, I've also started, um, Focusing on boundaries, I don't really have like a program or anything put together, but um, I, I have a Facebook page called Healing Into Boundaries, um, and I do feel comfortable working with men or women on that, um, and that's kind of what I was talking about before with like, I, I feel like a lot of the messages out there just encourages people to swing from flimsy fences to spiked walls, and I think it, you kind of have to take a more gradual process to get to the, like the selective gates, the healthy boundaries that actually like nurture connection instead of serve as like weapons of disconnection. But um, yeah, you can find me at lovecoachmariah.com, um, healing into boundaries on Facebook or Mariah Greystone is my personal page on Facebook. And I just followed you before we recorded. So, <laughs> so you will see a new follower. So excellent. And yeah, reach uh, out. I'd be happy to do a follow-up. Yeah. Mariah, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, you were a plethora of information and antidotes and <laughs> and love hacks and all of that. So, and uh, by the way, I did check out your website and it is quite, it's done very nicely. So you. you got, a, you got, she has a whole section of, I think they're blogs mm -hmm. and they're broken down and there's a one on attachment style. And so to my audience, go check out her website. It's done very well. I really liked it. So. Okay, Mariah, thank you for joining me today. And yes, we're going to at least stay in touch on social media. And I'd like to maybe have you back one day. Sounds great. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I would like to thank Mariah for joining me and reaching out. She saw my story and wanted to share her story. There were some similarities, but it wasn't so much the actual story and the details was how it ended, how she healed, 
and how she's moving on. And that's where our stories merge. So, all right, folks, as always, here comes the begging. Please leave me a review. Please share this show with a friend. We all know somebody that's in a relationship. It could be a marriage. It could be dating. It could be a relationship that's gone on for two, three, four years, and they're complaining to you every single day about their about their partner please share this show it might help them I have gotten some feedback and some people telling me that they have shared this show with people that they know who are struggling in a relationship so you just might help somebody alright okay if you have to make a choice if you need to make a choice Please choose wisely. Until next time, ciao.